Hey, there he is. I see him. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Bernardo Munoz. Sculptor, artist, designer, uh, man about the world. Um, and welcome to Bopisodes, which is it stands for Born on Purpose Episodes. Um, and uh, you're in Thailand? I'm in Thailand. I'm in Bangkok, Thailand. Okay, in Bangkok right. right now. Tell us how you came to be who you've become. <laughs> well, uh, originally from Mexico. My family uh, immigrated to the United States in 1965. Ever since I, or throughout my life, I already know pretty much, when I was about six years old, I pretty much knew what I wanted to do. For whatever reason, the the, uh, the movies always called me. Something about movies that attracted me in my hometown, which is a, a, a town of, uh, at that time was about 30,000 people. We have a movie theater, and I used to sneak into the movie theater because I couldn't afford uh, to pay for the movies. <laughs> so, and I always loved, you know, uh, Horror movies, all, 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 all through they scare the heck out of me. I still love them. So I became, I don't know if you saw the movie, the uh, Cinema Paraíso, but I was that little boy in Cinema Paraíso, that movie, black and white Italian movie. I don't think I saw it. I'm gonna have to put that on my list of things to see. Cinema Paraíso. This little boy who sneaks into the movie theater, uh, becomes very close friends with, uh, ends up being very close friends with the, uh, with the projectionist. And, uh, and at the projectionist starts showing, showing him and, and basically becoming part of the projectionist. And I, th I think in the movie, he actually becomes a projectionist. I'm not too sure if I remember that part, but anyway, that was me. I used to sit right next to the projectionist. I used to like to smell the, the smell of the cellulose. And then by the time I knew it, I was helping him uh, to, uh, to uh, rewind the reels. Because every, every week they will, they will bring in a, a movie and you have to rewind it by hand. And they'll splice it if it breaks up in the projector, etc. So, but anyway, so that, that was me. Uh, so somehow I knew I, in my very, uh, about six years old, I knew I was going to go into the entertainment field. How was I going to get there? Totally a big question. I don't know my life and my calling was going to uh, help me by my parents moving to Los Angeles. So when we, when we arrived in Los Angeles, uh, you know, I started getting awards in art from all the way from elementary school all the way through uh, high school. So that that kind of pushed me in that in the right direction, and I got involved with uh, with the Ballet Folklorico, and I started designing their sets. And then I started taking film classes, and I, the teacher really loved my work so much because I started doing. Claymation, uh, animation with people, stop motion animation, and, and he really he he really enjoyed what I did so much that he actually bought me my first eight millimeter camera. Wow! So you you really lucky. You one is the move, a fortuitous move to the movie capital of the world. <laughs> Pretty lucky. And then, so, you know, I was, I was really deeply involved in high school and every activity as I could. I'm always, I'm always been the uh, person who try to learn as much as you can about everything. So I was never afraid of anything. 
then I was invited to participate in a mural by by uh, a, mural, a well-known muralist, which became one of my one of my teachers in art, which is Judy Baca. Uh, she was one of the leaders in the uh, in the movement of the art movement of the mural movement back in the eight and seventies. So I became basically her assistant. And we, we, we did one of the, at that time, was one of the biggest murals in, in, in Boyle Heights for a mural that extended, I don't know, it's about probably a city block, two city, two city side blocks. And uh, it was called the Little Sisters of the Poor Mural. So this was basically the, 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 the testing for, for the program, for the city program. Uh, soon after that, uh, we started doing the uh, Cold Water uh, Cold Water Canyon uh, mural right there in Burbank and Cold Water Canyon in uh, San Fernando Valley, which now is it became the longest mural in the world, and it's still ongoing even to this point. And it was done back in 1978. And I just kept moving, kept moving. I, I got involved with the uh, Plaza de la Raza and started doing. I started teaching children. With a, with a well, at that time was not a well-known group, but the time was called Los Lobos. And uh, Los Lobos, uh, which I don't know if you know them, they're the ones who, uh, who became famous for La Bamba. So they were teaching music, I was teaching art. And we got involved with uh, with the with the director, which uh, Miguel Miguel Delgado. I liked it so much. I started designing the the, the 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 scenery for for his shows, and then I got invited to uh, to do commercials and got involved also with uh, Papa Carew at the uh, which is the Rainbow TV Productions, and started being trained as an art director for the. Uh, for the uh, movie industry. And we started doing a series. Uh, we did about four movies at that time. And we were four people who were trained to do all, everything that this has to do about art direction. So that would be art direction, props, you know, purchasing, depth set decoration, all of the, all of that realm. I was, you know, at that time I was like 19 years old. All of these were for mainly for PBS uh, movies. And I got my little break in, uh, in designing the, uh, a movie on the life story of Edgar Allan Poe. And we had to recreate several of the scenes from several of his famous books. Family in Harmony, the uh, cast of the Montalado, and stuff like that. <laughs> and at the same time, because like I said, I was doing multiple things at the same time, I was doing music videos. So I joined a company called Pendulum TV Productions. One of the most renowned uh, mural uh, music videos that I did back then was uh, Eat It with Where Al Yankovic. So, uh, which is the, the funny version of Beat It for, for Michael Jackson. First time I came out on a music video, I was the bartender at the time. <laughs> and uh, so 
by the time I knew it, I was doing over over 30 music videos with the, with, the, with this group. So it became like my uh, Weird Al Yankovic's uh, one of the designers for his music uh, music videos. Yeah, I didn't. That's great. He 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 made some. You guys made some some great videos. Step back just a little bit. So I want you to go back and, and tell us about the feelings. You know, was it just this? Was it just this hunger to want to keep doing whatever it was, or or was it once you got going, you just didn't have time to put your head up. You just had to do the next thing after the next thing. And you know, was it? Describe that to me. Well, actually, it was both. <laughs> okay. You know, I saw a buffet of of, of of opportunities right here. I just didn't want to let things go. I just wanted to do it all. For whatever reason, I was working 36 hours a day. I found 36 hours a day, you know, no sleep, no nothing, no nothing. And uh, so I just took every opportunity I could because I didn't want to, I don't want to miss that. Then one led one thing into another. Then, I, then we did a movie called The Comet. The Night of the Comet, uh, with John Mutter, which is the production designer who later became the uh, production designer for for uh, Home Alone. Uh, but I met John Mutter uh, back in my first actual movie, event, which was Jaws 3D. And in Jaws 3D, I was invited, which is uh, I was invited by Daniel Versay, who I met in Pendulum Productions doing the uh, the music video. Through this, I started becoming the the uh, a model maker in the movie for 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 on the special effects, which is the movie uh, the com the company was called Private Stock Effects, otherwise known as Pete's. This company was an amazing company, which had so many well-known people that are now in the industry. Uh, you know, Bob and Dennis Kotek, who were and. Uh, Forward Productions, who did a, a lot of the movies and uh, like Alien, and they got to think of two or three Academy Awards. They worked on the Titanic. Uh, they, I mean, these guys are well known in the industry. John Muto, uh, which later on I worked on The Abyss also. Uh, later on, I worked in The Abyss. But anyway, so and and Joss, I actually was my first uh, my first training to work behind the scenes and the special effects. So I was working in not only in, in model making, but also in uh, and also in the uh, shooting with the 3D cameras, and uh, working with the, the, the group of the 3D cameras, prepping the models for all the shoots, uh, creating all the ambient. Uh, and this particular instance was dry for wet uh, situation, which is quite. It was I'll tell you, it was the best schooling in my life. And meeting all these people, which also they're still my good friends throughout. You know. All this time. Uh, because of these connections, I was invited to participate in, uh, in the movie in the Abyss mm -hmm. and the, uh, and the uh, special effects units. But I was working on the models and I was able to do several of the key models for this movie. And we, at this point, we, we were in Gaffney, uh, we were in West uh, Gaffney, uh, North South Carolina where they shot all of the uh, underwater scenes back in the, and then all the uh, unused or unfinished nuclear power plant. So they had one huge tank, you know, which is, I don't know, I think it was like about 15 stories high and 
that's where they put the Shenandoah inside of the water. And they put windows so they can shoot through the windows. They created all the other rifts, all the uh, uh, the sea, sea bed. Uh, and then there was another tank that was used for all the miniatures. So everything was side by side. Uh, later on, I was called in to handle the models and be, to shoot all of the uh, water scenes uh, for the hurricane up in uh, Westport, Washington. <laughs> it just kept moving on and on. I moved around a lot. Uh, like I said, I, I, I like to learn. So I still, at this particular point, I still didn't have a pinpoint. I didn't. I still didn't have a defined road that I wanted to follow. I still didn't follow the exact position of my life. As I went from murals to special effects to models, because I mean, soon after I did the uh, work on uh, Jaws 3D, I started working a special effects unit with a with a company called uh, uh, Image Engineering Effects. As you can see, there was never it, it, this. Nothing really coordinates with each other, but. In my life, it became part of my overall uh, ability uh, to be able to do what I want to do, what I, in the direction that I want to do. So, as I moved on, as I moved on, I started. I decided to create my own company. So I did. At, my first company was back in 1987, which I did Nalo Enterprises. Nalo was my nickname and my family. And at that time, I was, you know, part of my part of my artistic thing. I was doing uh, sculptures or sculptures which I was selling in uh, in galleries at the time. But at the same time, I was doing I was also doing works for uh, Landmark Entertainment Group. I, they used to, I used to do the work that they, they used to consider that nobody else wanted to do. So Bernardo Campbell. So, so they, called, they, called, they called me in and they, they wanted me to do a, uh, a, which was the flagship for, uh, uh, for the casino up in Las Vegas. And I did an aquarium for them. I had uh, I had the, the designer come over when I was doing the movie uh, of the Edgar Allan Poe, and he said, "Bernardo says, what are you working on?" He says, "I have something for you." I said, "Okay." He says, uh, "I think this project is, has your name all over it." And I, based on what I've seen you do, I think you can the only one that I know that can pull it off. He says, "What are you working on?" I said, "I'm doing right now. I'm working on the movie called the, um, the Life Story of Edgar Allan Poe. Right now, we're shooting the scenes of the cast of the Montalado. We're, do we're doing all the underground, all the underground scene with all of the skulls and all the underground cemetery where this guy gets buried alive. He goes, can I come and see it?' He says, 'I'm Italian, you know.' He's Henry Conversando, Conversando design. I said, 'Well, come on down, Henry.' So he comes in and he says. He goes, do me a favor. He says, let me close my eyes. He says, I want you to, I want, I want to see the magic of movies. Okay. So I really, the producer already knew. I had asked permission. I brought in Henry Conversano doing that. She opened his eyes and, and he just was like blasted by this whole thing. You know, with all these calls I had to do coming down. And because we use water in it, and it, it smelled like, you know, like a little musky, you know? I was like, Bernardo, 
I have a, I have a project for you. Okay. So we, after that, we sat down and he says, I have this project in South Africa. It's a theme hotel. And it says the, uh, the owner, Sol Kersner, has, hasn't found anyone yet that's, that he feels capable, has the capability of doing this project. And I think you can do it. I said, okay. He sent me the, uh, the drawings through, you know, the old, you remember the old facts that came in a, in a, in a row? Mm -hmm. The heat, the heat uh, print. They sent me four rolls of this stuff. So I had to piece all of the A1 drawings together. <laughs> 40 something pages of that stuff. And it was the most, one of the most beautiful drawings I've ever seen. You know, this, this, uh, it was a, a uh, architecture, an African architecture. It was beautiful. So he goes, I want you to bid it for me. I said, okay. He says, but at the same time, we want to give you a, a, a test to show them that you're capable of doing what, what, they, what they want. He says, if you fail, this hotel will be a Hilton. <laughs> it will not be a theme hotel because they, they can't find anyone. So I said, okay. I said, I'm up to the challenge. I don't have a problem. So, you know, I, by this point, I have already met so many different people. I met uh, Daniel Miller, who was the, uh, doing the uh, the sculptures for Hanya Chunky Kids, he did the oversized leaves. So I asked, I asked Daniel, I said, Daniel, why don't we get together and this? Why don't we work together? And he goes, all right, let's try it. So they gave us uh, 10 animals uh, to do. Uh, an African elephant, which is only not that big, it's only about eight feet tall. Uh, a leopard, a leaning leopard that, that is uh, about 24 feet by 55 feet long. An elephant head that stood, uh, I don't know what, 25 feet by by 35 feet. A monkey, a leopard, leopard and the rocks that's supposed to be a La Michelangelo, which is the, the front end is finished and as it moves back, it, it turns into stone. Okay, okay. So, and then a beautiful big 18 foot uh, elephant head that is on a bridge leading to the entertainment center, which they call it the Bridge of the Time. And he says, if you can do this, we will get you the whole time. How much time? They, gave me, they gave me six months. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> I said, that's perfect. I said, uh, okay, that's fine. I said, yeah, I can do it in four months. Just Bernardo, I doubted you can do it in, in six months. Okay, fine. Let's try it. Two months later, they call me back and says, Bernardo, how are you doing? We would like to come and visit you and see how- Two, how we two months later. Going. Okay, okay. Two months later. One of them was, one of the other one, one of the elements was called the Monkey Spring Plaza Fountain, which has uh, two monkeys sitting. So we did this monkey. The monkey is basically sitting down, you know, in a crouching position with his arms turned out, six feet tall. The whole thing is like 18 feet tall. Water is supposed to come out from his hands and then fire from above. Wow, awesome. Little that he knew, we already had, we had 90% completed. In, in two, two months. months. <laughs> That's great. And for whatever reason, it just happened to be that the leopard, the paw of the leopard, this, the paw from here to here was four feet tall. So you have an idea of the size of this leopard. So he comes in, 
he comes in and he says, uh, so, I, so I, we start opening the door, he sees the paw. But you can see the, you can see the, the you know, you, because we put the lap in it. Right, so you, you see the see shape, the shape, sure. It's like a 3D, you know, like a translucent 3D. Yeah. He got so excited, even just by seeing this part. And then he saw the jaw, the camera, he saw this part of the jaw. And he saw the face. At this point, he grabbed me by my shirt like this. He pulled me to towards me, and he said, "Bernardo, you coming to with me to South Africa now?" <laughs> I was wow. in. That's pretty emotional. I mean, this so Kersner was so was so excited. He was just like he just couldn't believe what we were doing. That's an amazing story. So, so this is, I mean, this is how things move, you know, once you kind of get the momentum going, it's, it's, and that, you know, maybe that's kind of a lesson for those folks out there that are looking to get into whatever business they want to get into is go do it, do it, do it. And the momentum gets going. Well, the, question is, the question is, in my, in my life is never be afraid of anything. Huh. If you, if you if you don't believe in yourself, you're not going to believe it. If you believe in yourself, you can do it. That's a key. But don't 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 try to believe something you're not able to do. You know what I'm saying? Is you gotta believe in yourself. You have to. It's, if you don't trust yourself, you're not going to do it. And you gotta be fearless. Part of it, yeah, you you do make mistakes, but mistakes are part of the learning experiences. Sure, and that's how you, you build know? that confidence. Is you go out and you do it and do it until it, until the action proves to yourself that yes, you are capable. You know, even yes. though it's something bigger and, and better than you've ever done, you know, <laughs> when you get the phone call and someone says, I want you to do this, you've done something like it. We moved on. Uh, we went to South Africa. Uh, uh, they asked me where we want to live. And I said, I want my people to know what, what the feeling of South Africa is about. Because this is what we're going to do. So they put us in a place called the Highest Safari Ranch, which is a. And so we lived in a zoo and a, a kind of a modernized Zulu hut. I, I want these guys to be happy, but I didn't want them to be alone. So I, the owner, to pay for their family to come in. Wow! Excellent, smart. Now they could just completely focus. Yeah. Exactly. They can go to work, come back to their family, and and share the experiences being there. So. They woke up and they had zebra roaming around, giraffes, impalas running around. And then there was a zoo, a real Zulu village. Beautiful, the most experienced I, we have all ever witnessed, I, that I have ever had in my life. So we were there pretty, pretty much for a year. So we started, uh, you know, we, we started building for them. Uh, that is an arch, and it's like a palm arch. We started designing all of the columns that were all made out of palm fronts, and we did over 900 sculptures, original sculptures. From there, they were reproduced. But we got together what I consider one of the best sculpting team at the time. You know, we had like Daniel Miller, which is the lead sculptor. We have Kovis de Beer, who was the art director in South Africa for us. Uh, we had, uh, like uh, Gary Pollard, who was who was well known in the, in the industry for doing, uh, he, he sculpted uh, the uh, 
a, a lot of Star Wars figures. So we got a very top team of sculptors, but in our in our team, we had over 13 different countries with the Spanish, which was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time that we actually paid black South Africans based on their ability, not by who they were. Oh, excellent, excellent. South Africa, you know, I hate to say this, but they hated me. Oh, uh, yo. They hated me because they said, Bernardo, you're not doing them any favors because, you know, because the, the minute you go, they're not going, they're going to have to come back to reality. I said, well, you know what? You're probably right, but at least they know what reality is. Mm -hmm. so I had to go back to California and do uh, Caesar's, uh, Caesar's uh, forum shops up in Las Vegas. Yeah. We were doing Caesars uh, Las Vegas. We were doing uh, the. We were working in New York, New York. We did eleven casinos in Las Vegas. So, as you can see, my transition, <laughs> my transition went from movies, from murals, commercials, uh, movies to casinos and architecture. But at the end of the day, they're all the same thing. Yeah, they it's are. The but the, the the one slight difference, though, is that it got more and more permanent. You know, I mean, exactly. it's, yeah. but you know, the beauty about going through my life and, and doing murals is one is one uh, is one payment to, you know, satisfaction. When I was doing theater is the satisfaction and the reactions of the audience. When you're doing movies is the, the satisfaction of the director, producer and all of that. And then the audience, if they like the movie, you know, you made it. Now, you know, when you're working on whether you're doing hotels or theme parks, which are, they're all pretty much the same. It's all permanent materials. Now, how, how good the quality, how real they look is the important thing. And that was the beauty of uh, the beauty of the whole. Especially for, for hotels, malls, theme parks, it's the first impression. Yeah. It's the opening. That's when you get the, the, the best uh, immediate result, whether you did it right. With the people or are awe or like, eh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The problem is if they can see your faults, you know you failed. You really screwed up, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not about me. It's about the team. Is if you have a good team, because the team are your tools. You know, in life, you know, you're, one of the things I always try to tell everybody that works with me, especially those who are starting in the business, is that we always have to learn that it is the right tool for the right job. You know, yes, there is a beginning, but if the beginning is not followed, you start being sidetracked. The end result is not going to be what you want. So. Much like the tools, the, the, the physical tools, the materials, the people, and the quality of the people and the direction. Yeah. It's what makes the projects function. You're right. And I've, I've always had much better results and felt much better when, when I was working with an artist or a sculptor and giving them direction. I always like to leave it you know, there was specific things that you have to direct and you have to get it going. But I always like to leave a good chunk of it in their hands because nine times out of 10, eh, maybe eight times out of 10, you come back and it's better than you could have imagined. 
you know instead of trying to specifically tell them you must do this you must do that it's you work them to a point and you figure out the right person for the right task and then you kind of you let them go you have to trust them and then and 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 like i say eight or nine times out of ten i would come back and find something better better than i had in my head So in 1999, you know, the world recession kind of hit hard to everybody. I had to end up closing my shop. Uh, so I ended up closing my, I couldn't keep it open. Because, uh, you know, all the, our, our type of work was secondary and, you know, much like it is now. It's worse now than it was then. But even like right now, all of our type of work, we don't have it. You know, it's, it's right now it's just memory. You know, so we're looking forward to this COVID thing to to face off or give us the opportunity to continue in our life and be able to get back into our own two feet. Then I had the opportunity to go and work in Dubai. I joined a company called MET, which is uh, MET Studios, MTE Studios. And uh, there I got the opportunity to do a mall which is called the Ibn Batuta Mall. The mall is 1.2 kilometers long, half a kilometer wide. It has uh, six different countries because it's the story of Ibn Batuta. Ibn Batuta is a Muslim explorer who was born in Spain. Ibn means the son of Batuta. He starts in Spain, so on one end, it's Spain. So, you know, we did Spain and then we, then, so it, the, 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 the mall is designed based on his travels which ended up in China. So it starts in Spain, it goes through Morocco, or North Africa, Egypt, India, and China. People have seen your work. They don't know who you are. <laughs> you know, because the people behind the scenes like you that are doing this kind of stuff, you know, we're, we're not on the front page. We're not the stars. We're not the, the lead singer. We're not the, you know, we're the guys that, that are working that thing to make that, that magical thing happen. And and that's one of the things that I'm enjoying about doing this little episode thing, this little Born on Purpose thing, is that it's kind of, you know, giving voice to all the people that are in the background that, 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 that help to create this environment and these memories and things that people get to have. It's nice to get a people to see the faces behind the, the work. There is. It's a, it's a very, it's, like you said, it's the only opportunity people have. What sort of mistakes do you see people making in this industry? And it's a really odd time to ask this question because of the, you know, the shutdown and what's going on with the planet and all that kind of stuff. But maybe think of it prior to this. What sort of mistakes were people making? when it came to this sort of design work and this sort of, the, this themed industry that we have? Well, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that is, that is that haunts a lot, of, a lot of projects is what we call the prima donna syndrome. You know, when, when, when you think that you're the ultimate work and, and you, when, you, when you do that, people tend to go in the wrong tangent with the project. And they're not able to see the, the the true vision of what needs to be done. 
and that's what gets you into trouble if you if you become too much of a prima donna you know prima donna where, where your what you say is is the word too much and and you lead your team in the wrong direction and that's when your team starts to be, become fragmented and when the and when the uh, uh, the trust the leadership is gone and you become the sole person pulling 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 a rope and nobody's on it and sometimes the people who hang on it are, are the people who who, do, who either they do accept you for who you are and they do believe you or they're like only hanging not only because they they want to keep on on a payroll you know I think I think that that is one of the biggest things uh, that that haunts a lot of projects uh, in my book. One of the things that I always strive to do is try to make sure to make everybody be part, be owner of the of their project, be owner of their part, and then at the same time they take responsibility, they take ownership, and that's what makes it work. I think that's a huge point, Bernardo. I think that, and and it's a, it is a, it's an interesting balance because you do, you do have to give them direction, you know. So you have to, you have to give them the framework, and and that's, it's it's kind of a, you have children, you know, so you, so you understand that you you're the father. You've got to give them the framework, but you also have to give them the freedom to try and, and to test and to grow. And at some point they'll grow off on their own, just like a child does. And projects do the same thing. They sort of grow, I mean, and that's that's one of the other phenomena that, that always struck me as weird is you and I are the guys that kind of show up when it's just dirt. You know, there's nothing there. And then we go through lots of work and lots of problem blah, blah, and we build this thing. And then at some point we hand it over to the people that operate it. And they have no bloody idea who we are. So we walk back yeah. into the space after working for a year, two years, three years on it. And they look at us. They're now the proprietors. They're the owners of it. And they treat us like, and, and it's that, that's a weird transition of, uh, you know, that, 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 that's a funny thing. When you walk into something that, that is sort of yours, like your kid, but now it's its own adult. And you have to kind of let it go, you know. So you admire it, like you say. All of these, all of these projects that you've had, you, you loved every single one of them. Did you love one more than the other? No, not like your kids. They're all different, you know. And then they grew up and they have their own life now, and they're continuing to live. That's the, that's the interesting thing about the permanence of a mall or you know a hotel project or a theme park type project is it it it, it kind of goes on to have its own life you know so you get to yeah. be a proud a proud father and like you said we have people who run the projects you know they were they were they're hired to run the project but they have no idea what it took to get to the point they don't they don't take care of it because it's like everything in life. When something is given to you and you don't know how much it's worth, you're not gonna treat it the same when it, when you paid it out of pocket. Or you or you paid it by sweat, by sweat and, and feel, you know, and you made it made it made this to be yours. I think that's another good sort of mistake to point out to all of our all of our developer friends. Um, you know, once <laughs> once we make this stuff, um, you know, it needs to get maintained. It needs to get supported. You know, and and uh, 
uh, appreciated. So that that's something like the Disney Corporation does that well. They maintain their parks quite well, you know, and they keep renewing it and so forth. A lot of other people just they use it as a utility, and these things need they need upkeep and they need care and they need the same artistic touches as time goes by. Because time will, just like all of us, you know, it wears us down a little bit. So so they need to be refreshed and, and taken care of well. So that maybe that's a good lesson to throw out there for everybody. Yeah, it does, it does, you know. Because I'll tell you, that it's, it's all up to you. You know, when you're when you're up there with the team, you know, you're you're the mentor. You're the mentor. You're, you're, you're the guy who's flying the ship, you know. And you gotta make sure you take the people from from the beginning all the way until you land. There you go. So it's a responsibility. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun thing. Wow. Well, great. Thank, thanks, Bernardo. This has been great. This is really 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 wonderful. As a as sort of a closing note, if somebody if, if some young talented guy or gal out there was interested in kind of doing the kind of stuff that you do in your industry, whether it be and, and and that's that's a big broad brush now because you went you went through a ton of different industries now and they're like we talked about earlier they've kind of gotten a little bit more specialized now because each each of them is getting a bit more complicated from when we started in the 70s and 80s you know we, we things are now so sophisticated that you kind of have to go down a hole but what would be the advice that you would give to someone that wanted to sort of follow in your footsteps or or get involved with this industry focus focus really really have it in your heart and knowing what you want to do in life and stick to it and stick to it you know let's um, i see a lot of people they they go into something and they they're not sure whether this is going to be the right thing. Because especially in our industry, you always have to start, you know, when I started pretty much it's like sweeping. You start sweeping and then you start slowly moving in. You know, some of us move faster into into the into the into the direction that we want to go because we we either show it by our abilities, our 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 inner inner ability. And we have no problem in working long hours because that's what I did a lot at the beginning of my career. I worked very long hours. But you know what? When you love it, you don't feel it. Yeah. And that's the thing. When you're young, it's easy. When you're older, it's a little bit tougher. <laughs> I, I do have to it's tougher, you know? But, but it's i would say it's always just focus and, and, and make sure you know your the direction you want to go in life and the thing about it is in, in the industry of today is not the same as industry as it was before because in the industry of today is is less man it's a lot less manual yeah than it is it's more it's more digital now it's gone more digital but the base is still the same Drawing, understanding, perspectives, composition, color, color theory. All of these things are the basis. So studying art, studying all of the arts, learn all of the different styles of art, understand what goes on, go to King Price, go whatever you want to go, a movie, observe, look at. When I was in the movies, I would go to the movies two or three times, four times. First time I will go for the movie to enjoy it. Second time, I will go and research what I want, how they do that. 
how did they do it? How can I, then how would I do it? How can I accomplish this? And so that's the direction I want to go. Same thing goes for, with theater. Theater and theme parks are pretty much the same thing. The only, the only difference is, is the materials, and, but it still has the same basis. It's all yeah, about so the company. Compositions, right. color, meaning, and sound, you know? So you have to understand all of these elements in here, especially if you're in the position that we are, you know, where we have to create an environment because we get involved with all of these things, you know? How do we hide things? How do we hide things so, so, the, so the experience doesn't get lost? How do we hide the speaker? How do we hide a light? How can we still create? But it all depends also on your design. The design, if you design something right to hide something, it has to make sure that it blends in that doesn't stand because people will notice. Because you know, one thing about about people, people are becoming a lot more, you know, they, they look at things and they actually can see, they can, they may not sense what it is, but they know something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't look right. Or this is wrong, wrong. I mean, if it, it's obvious, say, oh God, this is what the hell. What were these guys doing? You know, but it, it's all about but it's all about focus. If you focus on the right direction, then you start practicing and and taking the right courses that leads you onto that. Because you know, in our when you and I started, there was no real courses in art direction. Now there are art direction courses. There's there's that like a lot more. You know, I didn't have the money to go. I'm sorry. You can you can go to USC now and get a degree in theme park design. You know, <laughs> you know, I did. I, you know, I wanted to go like uh, to to uh, to uh, to a high end uh, design school. I didn't have the money. I didn't go. I didn't have the money to go Cal Arts. You know, I, I couldn't get in. So my 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 school was practice, which for me was better than than that. But what I miss from going to those type of schools is getting the getting taught by someone who knows. Yeah, some of those fundamental skills and those, like you're talking about, the composition, the design things, the actual techniques, the, you know, those those fundamentals that start the thing. Um, uh, you know, we, we had to learn that by hard knocks because, you know, we get out there, but you're right, you focus. And, and not only do you focus on, you know, what the design is, but at some point you focus on being the guest, being the observer and, and taking that other viewpoint of what, what, you know, I, I know all about this thing, but I'm going to forget it all. And I'm going to walk through here like I've never seen it before. I'm a new guy and I just paid for my ticket. What, what am I going to see? And what's going to betray the illusion or what's going to extend it forward? And, and, you're, and you said the key word right there is learn to look at it from another perspective. You know, don't because when, when you get stuck in your designs and everything, you need to learn to step back and look at it like you said, you always have to look at it from the guest experience. What is the people going to say? What are they going to say? This is why I like theater. Theater, you don't have many opportunities. Yeah. You know? You know, and, and this is where the immediate response it is when they see the sets. And then theme park, when theme park, you have to understand those basics and understand all of these things because by the time you build it in a theme park, it's gone. You already stumbled this time. 
the only play, the only place you can save it is is in, in pretty much in, in, in terms of making it even better or whatever is the way you apply your colors and your textures if you understand your textures your joint lines you know how do how do you make a stone look like stone how do you make a stone line because you know everybody can make a stone line but how do you make it realistic how do you make it weather yeah so that doesn't I agree. You know, whether the weather is by done by, by mildew or is it done by smoke or it's just aging, you know, aging on its own. What is it? You know, so you have to really get into all of these things. And this is, this is something I always tell when I'm working with my team. I said, you gotta get, you have to understand what happens to this thing in order for you to be able to achieve. So if I have a, a stone that's being cracked, because of pressure, you have to understand where the pressure is, and then how the movement of those rocks consequently happens. So there's it's like a domino effect. And that's the kind of thing like you mentioned. Yeah, that's the kind of thing like you mentioned before. That's where people walk in and something's not right. I don't know what it is. You know, there's the crack, but why is there a crack? And and they may not they're they're not thinking it through like you just explained. They just see that. You know, it doesn't make sense. Somehow, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you and I have, seen, you and I have seen people put cracks in the middle of a wall, and you go, "Why is that?" Yeah, is that this crack? You know, so I, so I teach these people, you know, and sometimes you know because they, that means that they don't have the experience enough to understand what is the nature of things. Why do things? Why do things? Well, we'll see, and that's the, that's a little bit of the danger in the digital in the digital world, in the digital art world, because you can just, you know, with a couple of clicks of button, you can put a crack there, you know, <laughs> you know, and and no one thinks about why would there be a crack there, you know, because because that that's one of the techniques that I always use when I'm art directing or or buying buying things off is I. You know, I think about, you know, somebody will put some, they'll make fake wood. They'll take, take TCP, cement, cementation material, and they're creating wood, and they make these joints. And, and you look at them and go, would a carpenter ever, ever put a joint like that? You know, yeah. you know? because it just wouldn't work. It, it's, it's not where you could do it. It's not how you could do it. So those little things betray the illusion. And they, they bring the person that's lost in the environment in the story, it brings them back to, oh, this isn't true. This isn't real. And, and those are the things that we look for. That's what I worry about a little bit with the digital, this digital age that you're talking about is, is the, the... Well, the, the, only thing that I, the only thing that I like about digital, but then again, uh, is that not necessarily that I want to make things out of it is that you can build the models, uh, you can build a physical, uh, 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 a digital model, and you can see it before it becomes real. So it gives you opportunity to be able to work with volume heights and certain things and color to a certain point, lighting, you know, how to hide lighting. It's a very good thing to do now. You know, and a lot of a lot of the practices are doing that everywhere. When, when we did the, uh, the real, in real, we actually built all the facades in uh, in, in uh, SketchUp, so very simple, simple 3D, but we can see how all the all the joints, how how the facades work with each other, where the architectural parts start and end, 
you know, and that's that's the key right there. You know, that's what that thing works for. For detail and things like that, I deal with that totally separately. Uh, I deal with it and in, in, in either by sketches or reference images, depending on my time. Because sometimes you don't have time, you know, so you have to deal with it, you know, and plaster all the, all the plaster finishes, the walls, you know, cracks, what's underneath it. You know, it's like one of the biggest problems that I see occurring when they do stone, not walls of stones, is they, is that they, they make the, they put the plaster in and they have undulating plaster kind of to create the undulation. And then they crack, then they put a, they put the, the, the separation between one stone and the other, but the apex matches. Yeah. 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 I, and it, yeah. It, it, yeah. It looks like, yeah. Somebody came in and did a stick and they, they started doing the bricks and it just, you know, a mason, a bricklayer, a st yeah, a stone guy couldn't have done that. It's not impossible. Or they put like a little, you, you know, like a guy chips out a, you know, a hole or something that to, you know, it just so. You're right, and it's just a, it's a thinking about what you're replicating. That's another thing that we I, I know you run into too in classical architecture. Back when they were building columns, you know, and bases and capitals, and those were the things that were holding up the building. You know, they, they were the structural, they, they were just the structural pieces that they beautified, you know, and now we don't use that for the structure. Now we use steel or we use concrete and then we dress it with these other things. But people forget that. They they often forget it. So they don't make the these dressings make sense like they did in, in the classical times when those things had to actually structurally hold stuff up. So they're, cla they're clad in these things and you look at it and you go, well, it just, you know, there's it, that, that just betrays it. It just, it's like somebody taking a crayon and drawing it. It just doesn't work. Well, it's like, you know, the, the classical architecture, you know, Greco-Roman, you know, they, you have the columns and it's a little bit thicker on the middle. It's designed for the pressure. And when they do the columns now, they're now either they, they, they don't understand columns, whether it's an ionic or a doric, and they just run it straight through. And they go like, that's not the way that these work. Yeah, for me, what you're talking about, you know, advising to someone who wants to come into this field and, and art direct, is understand the, art, the classical architecture. I understand the anatomy. I understand the, the sculpture, you know, understand the classical sculptures. Because they all have a position, they all have, there, there is the anatomy, there, there is, there is it's, it's all about proportion, you know. Whether you're looking, you know, understanding what is a heroic figure look like. What are the proportions based on heads, how many head heights? And that's one thing that we did, you know, when we did the uh, forum shops. We did the Fountain of the Gods right there, and we had to do... Yeah, you had to make it look right. It was spot on. When people look at it, they, they, they think it's real marble. They think it's real classical architecture until they hide it and go like, oh, this is fireless. I have no idea, you know? Obviously, we kept that away, you know, because when we did, when we started doing the, the you know, we did the, the standardized, uh, back when we did the Palace of the Lost City, anything that you can touch has to feel and sound like and if you can do that, then you'll be able to get away with almost anything. 
Yeah. Well, that was one of the joys of working when I first came to China uh, in Macau, is working in Macau. You could actually do stuff on a real marble because <laughs> it, it didn't cost that much, you know? <laughs> you know, so, so you, you know, you could act. Yeah, that was great. You know, I mean, we still got all the sculptural stuff out of out of other materials. You know, but the things that you could touch that were right up against it, and that helps with that authenticity. In the West, we couldn't afford it. You know, it was just too expensive to make to make those things out of real stone. But but here, but you know, over in, in Asia, you, we get that opportunity. Kind of the lesson to sum up, I think, is. If you want to get into this industry, you need to learn the fundamentals. You need to, you know, if you're going to sculpt, you need to know, you know, human anatomy. You know, if you're going to be making sculptures, and you need to know the anatomy of architectural buildings and the classical things. That's what brings that sense of truth or realism to it, and that's what we're after. We're trying to, we're trying to put you in a scene that you wouldn't normally be in. You know, that's the point of a theme park. Is we're trying to kind of take you out of your normal humdrum life and give you something to expand your your, your mind a bit and to think about other stuff. And that's the that's the joy that you get out of it. And to do that, you have to understand the fundamentals. You do. You do. You have to be a master, basically, of all trades, for you to understand. Because I mean, many times have we been told what you're designing is not building. Yeah. Well, yeah. And how many times have we been given a design that's impossible, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, but that, you know, but that's part of the trade and figuring out, I mean, that to me is that's, that's a little bit of the fun too. I know you know this is somebody hands you a sketch and it's really, really cool, but you look at it and go, oh man, how are we going to do this? But you figure out a way, you know, you figure out a way to, to, to get the concept and the idea. Sure, to, to get it there. And that's that's the fun. For me, sometimes that's the fun, is to figure out how to make those those dreams come true. So, Bernardo, hey, I, I don't want to take up your whole night. Um, what a wonderful time. Thanks for taking this time with me and, and kind of going over this stuff. Um, I, I, I feel like I know you a little bit better. I know I've run across you a few times, but I've never really had the, the opportunity and the, and the pleasure to sit and talk with you for a little bit. I'm glad that we're talking basis and we're talking to each other because we're getting to know a little bit more of each other. That's for Bernardo, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Take care. Thank All you. right. Have Take a good care. night. Bye-bye.